What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. This is not a, a winning edition. It's 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 been a while, right? Uh, this is this is not three weeks of this. Hopefully, it changes very soon. Okay, but we do have Simon Clancy here. We have Chris Kaufman here. We have them together. We don't have them like we had last week, which I know you guys don't like. But as this show is always brought to you by Manscaped Five RSN, use promo code Five RSN get twenty percent off your entire order. And of course, Better Edge. Go to Better Edge slash five, the number five reasons, and you can get $25 as a sign up bonus. And of course, Prize Picks. Use promo code five, F I V E. And if you use that promo code, you deposit $100, they give you $100, and it's a one time easy rollover. Okay. One time easy rollover, which means you bet it through, you get $100. In other words, they're giving you $100. It's free. Take it. Promo code five F I V E. All right, Simon. I think they call these uh, losing streaks. This one was was kind of interesting in particular, and I didn't take it as it, it wasn't as bad. Man, four and two would have been really really nice, but evidently, the, and we're going to talk about this in the second half of the show. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk about some players, in, you know, with a little bit more specificity, okay, and going forward because I think we could form opinions maybe on a few of these guys because. The sample size is getting larger. But in the first half of the show, we're going to talk about this game. Simon, you, you remarked on, you, you had some remarks on this on Twitter and on OnlyFans. Uh, your thoughts on this game. I'll, I'll start here. The That drive in particular, and they were all legitimate penalties, people. Okay. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe the Liam Meikenberg uh, hold, maybe you could get away with that. Maybe I it mean, happens. That was a- that was a tackle. That was the most <laughs> yeah. egregious of them all. Yeah, but the ball was away. You know, the, the yeah, ball was, was away. Uh, 
So so maybe maybe a referee looks the other way and says, well, the ball was away, and then this guy tackles him. Maybe I'll pick up this flag. But Jesus Christ. Uh, Skylar Thompson, and I'll talk about him in the second half, and we'll talk about him in the second half. Uh, the guy had 72 yards of passing called back penalties once they crossed midfield. I didn't. I never knew that was possible, but it, now you do know that it's possible. Uh, your thoughts on this game overall and that drive in particular? Simon. Yeah, that drive was frustrating because it just seemed like we, you know, every time we got punched in the mouth, we'd come back and pick up a first down or Craycraft to get to the goal line or Tyreek could pick up big yardage or whatever. And it was just disappointing to see, but I didn't think any of the, I didn't think any of them weren't penalties. I mean, people were saying, oh, the Alec Ingold, but Ingold was blocking before the, the pass was even thrown, which is a penalty in, in and of itself. So, uh, I mean, I saw the Eichenberg one as it happened. Um, you could see it from the backside as he sort of rugby tackled his guy to the ground and then Skyler obviously hits Craycraft with a really good throw. I thought Skyler played really well. Look, I have this down as a circumstance defeat. I think I was just shocked. I didn't watch it live, but I watched it as live. You know, about 10 minutes after it finished, I started watching it. It just felt like a circumstance defeat and you get a couple of those every season, which is just that, you know, and I think the Bills probably had a circumstance defeat against the Dolphins in week three. That just, you, you, it's hard to overcome a load of injuries and that's what the Dolphins had. You know, you look at, you know, Tua being out, Armstead being out, Nick Needham going down with injury. You know, the just the the nicks, the bruises, we're down to our third string quarterback, then we're back to our second string quarterback, but he actually looks worse than the third string quarterback. And, you know, I, I kind of feel like that was the issue. I, I just was amazed that the Dolphins lost it, really. I, I just couldn't see it. I couldn't see, like, to go in at half time and be down when we'd absolutely dominated that first half just seemed unfeasible. Um, for it to happen, but I just thought, yeah, it was just down to 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 situations that we almost couldn't control. I thought the defense was absolutely outstanding. All those people bitching and moaning about Josh Boyer and oh, we're not doing this and we're not doing but that. Well, you can see what happens when you have a healthy Xavier Howard because it makes such an important difference to how that defense works. You know, I thought loads of guys on that defense played really well. Bethel, Keon, Keon Crossan played well. Jalen Phillips had a good game. Christian Wilkins played really well. Landon Roberts was excellent. Uh, just um, yeah, we just got killed on offense. the The offensive line was really poor. Didn't help. I didn't think Teddy played particularly well when he came in. Uh, I've seen a couple of people sort of defending him, and he was okay in spurts. But I thought, you know, and I'm going to watch back the All Twenty Two. But uh, I think he had some ugly plays. He took some ugly sacks. He's just a little bit slow processing in the pocket. Um, I hated the fake punt call. I thought it was a terrible time to do it. It was a terrible situation to do it in a tight game. Morse had been punting well. Just just get rid of it and just play defense. Defense was playing outstanding. But yeah, to me, a circumstance defeat. Um, and, you know, it's just a massive, that just places a lot of emphasis now on Sunday because that's an absolutely massive game because as much as I probably wasn't expecting the Dolphins to be three and three at this point in terms of predictions before the season started, I certainly wasn't expecting the Jets to be four and two and the Patriots now to be three and three and, and the Patriots playing pretty well. You know, they've really got something going with that run game on um, on offense. Defense is playing well. So, you know, it's a massive game for the Dolphins on Sunday. Yeah, as far as, yeah, you, you, you called it on the defense. The defense was spectacular. There was two plays, okay? Uh, the catch and run by by Jefferson, and then the run by Dalvin Cook, which was, it was a blown run fit by Javon Holland. He just, that was supposed to be a perfectly blocked play that goes for six to seven yards because Javon Holland fits and gets his tackle on Dalvin Cook. He hit air. Dalvin Cook hit the end zone on a perfectly blocked play. But how many three and outs was this? Because I'm counting them. This is ridiculous. 11 or something, wasn't it? It's one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven three and outs by the Dolphin defense. I think that's good defense. Chris, your thoughts on, on this game? You know, the, this is the third week in a row that the guy that played them, the quarterback that played the majority of the snaps on offense was, you know, or basically played the game was not the um, the guy that was game planned uh, during the week. Um, I think that makes a difference. Uh, I think when you see Skylar Thompson get thrust into action last week and struggle, and he clearly did, but then this week, you know, full week of practice, he's the guy. He's, you know, he's 
the game plan is being built around him. Um, the, honestly, he, he was playing better. You know, he mm-hmm. was he was playing a lot better uh, football in the um, the beginning stages of the game, and um, and I thought that that was interesting, and it was uh, it was something to you know kind of keep an eye on or keep in mind, I guess, when you're trying to look at all this and, and the fact that the Dolphins started out three and zero with some you know defeats against some some good teams. Um, and now they're zero and three in the last three weeks. I think that uh, this is this is it's important, um, and it's it's a team game. It's not just about one side of the ball, but like one side of the ball can affect both sides of the ball, you know. And um, and so I think what we've seen that we've seen that in three consecutive uh, games here, and um, and so I, I think a lot of people in that building will be breathing a sigh of relief when they get the the starting quarterback back that they you know intended to play that they built this offense around um and so you know it's 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 not about excuses it's just it's more of opportunity because in those first three games it's not just that they won the games it's that the offense was performing well the offense was one of the top offenses in the nfl during that during that stretch um, and now it is clearly not. And, uh, and, and I think that that's, um, you know, it's, it's contributing when you see, when you see this defense in this game, this is one of those classic ones where, you know, the final score says what it says, but you watch, watch how the game played out. And it's like, what happened in this game is that, um, is that the defense was stout and forcing a lot of three and outs from the Minnesota Vikings offense and the other side of the ball, the Miami's offense just couldn't get anything done to, you know, during all that time period. And that's, that's about, that's playing complimentary football and it wasn't there. And, and so I think that this was, uh, this was shaping up to be a very nice defensive performance. I think, um, but you know they're just there's just one half that was kind of absent um and i think that that's that's unfortunate it more and more this is reminding me i i brought this up before um is how much does this really remind you of san francisco with um with jimmy garoppolo as quarterback you know nobody i don't think anybody is 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 ready to put jimmy garoppolo in the hall of fame or anything but um but they, when they play with Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know they 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 basically. I mean they they win. Uh, I, I think it's what is it? He's thirty three and sixteen as the starter there. Mm-hmm. Um, when they don't play with Jimmy Garoppolo, they do not win. You know they, they actually um, lose a lot, kind of like they us. lose quite a bit. You know, um, and I think it's something. I think it's something like nine. Um, I want to say it's something like nine and 29 <laughs> in San Francisco <laughs> um, over the years since, since, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo came the, over the years that Jimmy has been playing in San Francisco. Um, and it's something to think about because, just because, you know, I know that everybody has um, hates the whole QB wins thing, but when, when one quarterback wins on a team and then none of the other quarterbacks that play on the same team can win, I think that it's something to pay attention to. There's something to be said for um, both the aspect of it that's complementary about complementary football, which affects both sides of the field. Um, and then there's something to be said about uh, about as as we've seen in the last three weeks, the guy who played the game wasn't the guy who was game plan, you know. Mm. And um, and so I think that that's that's taking its toll. Uh, I can't wait to get you know, the starter back and see if they can get control of the season again, because it's, it's kind of out of control. There's, there's a lot of injuries and um, going on at the quarterback position in particular. And, um, and, you know, we'll see, but, um, but this was, this was definitely an offensive loss to me. Um, As Simon alluded to, I think Josh Boyer and his defense performed admirably here. Um, and it, they just can they can't do it all by themselves. Yeah, I, I completely uh, agree. Uh, 
Simon, the last two years before the season, I'm pretty sure we we've done this podcast. In fact, in fact, if I look for it, we probably did this podcast about okay. We kind of know two is going to miss two games. So what are we going to do to try to remedy those two games? To try to take at least one of those two games and possibly win both of those games when two evident you know eventually has to miss two games. Well, he missed two games already this year, and of course zero and two. Last year, the answer seemed to be Jacoby Brissett and trying to run the ball, and that was a disaster. This year, the answer was go get a starter from last year, Teddy Bridgewater, and have that be the answer. Do you just give it a pass, or did they just fail at that mission once again this year? I mean, I think the bigger question has got to be whether or not it's sustainable that your starting quarterback continues to miss multiple games every year. That to me is a far bigger issue than whether or not you know if you're game planning for how we how we cope when he can't play because he always gets injured. That to me is a massive issue, and it's sort of taking your eye off the ball a little bit. Um, and as well as you know, as well as Skylar Thompson played and he developed, um, and if he continues to do what he did yesterday and did in training camp, then I suspect he'll be the number two moving forwards. But it's a concern when we're literally having this conversation about the fact that, okay, we admit our quarterback is never going to stay healthy. So what are we going to do to manifest it during the time when he's off? That's a bit of a problem for me. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, your thoughts on that, Chris? Well, I think the the main thing is, um, you know, I want to see, I, we, we have to see more. We have to see more. And this has nothing to do with Tua. This has everything to do with uh, the coaching and the offense. And just, you know, we're six games into the season. We're not just six games into a season. We're in, into a six game. We're six games into a new coaching regime, right? I mean, that's that's early. And we really have to see more here because um, because it's like I said, it's not even just it's not even just that the starting quarterback was out for the better part of the last three games. Um, it's that it's that who ended up playing in the game kept being not the guy that the game plan was centered around. And um, and you know whether even go back to go back to the Cincinnati game when Teddy Bridgewater you know took the majority of the snaps in that game, um, and he was you know he was not supposed to be the guy that week. The very following week, Teddy Bridgewater was supposed to be the guy. And then some uh, rogue spotter decided that he's not going to be the guy. Um, and and so Skylar Thompson was thrust into it. Uh, and then the following week, Skylar Thompson was supposed to be the guy. That is presumably on purpose, right? Like the, when Mike McDaniel has this policy about practicing and playing, presumably there's a reason, right? And I think that we started to see the reason for that when Skylar Thompson, the planned starter, went out there and he was playing well, as opposed to the previous week when he was not. Um, and then Ted Br Teddy Bridgewater gets out there. Uh, and he was not supposed to play. He didn't practice this week, really. And uh, and then they, you know, they, they, they did not do well, not until the fourth quarter, not until everything had really settled in and the defense had started to become predictable. I think that was when the offense started to uh, loosen up a little bit. And um, but then, you know, Jalen Waddle's turnover was a killer and uh, and so on and so forth. But um, I think that uh, mainly, yeah, there's there's an issue when your starting quarterback keeps getting, um, you know, taken out of the game. But really, I. I hate to say it's just bad luck, but, you know, at some point when you start a backup quarterback that's been practicing the entire week and like, okay, he's going to start this week, you can't have that guy get injured every single game too. And that's what that's what we've had. <laughs> Teddy, you know, Teddy Bridgewater gets injured. Well, you know, quote unquote. He was suspended. Against the Jets. <laughs> and Teddy then, was and, suspended. It was a different case. Well, right, but he he gets uh, you know quote unquote injured against the Jets, and then the following week, you know, Skylar Thompson's our starter, and he gets injured, you know, as well. You know, you just, you just can't have you can't. That's four straight games. Uh, if you count the Buffalo game, where where Tua did you know get shaken up and and came back the end of the game. Um, I don't know. You know that's that maybe that's bad luck. Maybe that's the offensive line still being terrible. I don't know. Um. But that that can't keep happening, 
and and that's the that's that's a real that's a real issue to me. Yeah, Teddy today uh, uh at well not today it was the the availability after the game. Teddy he talked about the bad luck and they asked him about you know his uh his one snap game against the the Jets and he refused to say anything about it. He said he wanted to keep it private, uh, obviously because he didn't want to get fined. But uh, he says to you know that you know he he chalked it up to, to bad luck as well. In my opinion, I don't know if if you agree with this, Simon. Turns out he doesn't have a fracture, meaning Skylar Thompson and his finger. Obviously, he went to the locker room. I'm pretty sure that that right away, as soon as there's blood gushing out of a finger, and they do an X-ray and they say, okay, it's not broken. You want to tape it up and see if you could go back into the game. Did you get the sense that they that they said, you know what, I'm not feeling it, and let's let's try to get Teddy in there to see if this takes off a little bit? Do you think he was more like quasi benched? Although I thought he was playing fine, that no, rather I mean, than held out. No, absolutely not. I just I felt to me as though he's, and it seemed to be that he was indicating to her that he couldn't grip with his thumb. Uh-huh. The, the thumb just couldn't hold the back of the ball. I mean, I I couldn't envisage or even fathom a scenario where they looked at what he'd done in the first quarter and a half of that game and thought, oh no, we'll take him out and put Teddy in because he was playing really well. And you know, he was making yards with his feet, he was making smart decisions, he was making big throws down the field, he was making touch throws, um, he was being safe generally with the ball. Um, I thought he was excellent and I, I thought he gave the Dolphins a better chance to win than than Teddy Bridgewater did. And um you know, but in part because he's able to use his feet so well to escape the pocket um, because he's very mobile when that very porous offensive line started to break down. So, no, I just didn't think he was able to grip the ball properly. So, um, I think that's why Bridgewater came in. Yeah, I, yeah. I would say this. I would add this about t- Teddy Bridgewater, though. I mean, it, he looks he he looks almost scary thin to me um out there i don't know how you feel about it and, and maybe i'm you know guilty of falling into something perception wise but um the fact that he can't stay healthy on the field you know uh is is interesting to me because you know, at what point can you just say that this guy can't really be the primary backup you know um, if you can't, cause we have enough problems keeping the starter healthy and we've, we've talked about that since before he was even drafted. Right. Um, you can't have your backup be, you know, so slight a frame and, and taking shots and getting hurt all the time too. Um, and that's, that's, that's a significant issue. Yeah, I tend to agree. He, he does look thinner than before. I saw some, some. I watched them some last year with Denver. Um, I also think he's playing a little bit more free. This system seems to suit him, but I agree with you. Like, his frame is different. Like, he's obviously different. Uh, all right, to finish up this segment before we go to a word on liquid death, uh, Simon, do you think that, you know, we talked about it. We talked about it in the in the preview show last week. Vikings, bad pass defense, uh, worse run defense. But the only thing that they seemed to do is that they were optimistic. Uh, I mean, opportunistic, and that's why they were four and one now, five and one, for pretty much the same reason. By the way, um, it seemed to bear out. Like four hundred and fifty-eight yards of offense, four hundred of it through the air. Uh, do you feel that the Dolphins had the right game plan, and it, you could just chalk up this whole thing to turnovers and penalties, and that's the game? Yeah, but, I mean, like as a circumstance, I, I you know, I. The fact that the Dolphins had three points, it, it was not reflective of the way that they performed, the way they'd moved the ball from the between the twenties. Really, um, obviously the turnovers were killers. The Waddle turnover was a killer, um, mm. but there was no real point until the Dalvin Cook, until the Adam Thielen touchdown, where I thought Miami was going to lose the game, um, even with Teddy playing. Um, so it was just sort of unfathomable to me, really, that we got to that point where, you know. We were down and pretty much out. It was just seemed such it was such a strange, such a strange game because I felt generally we had complete control. I mean, I thought Xavier Howard was absolutely outstanding yesterday, the way he locked down Justin Jefferson. Um, and and it just gives you the ability to play the scheme that you want to play. I thought, um, you know, he was just I mean, I'm literally just watching the all twenty two now as we're talking, just like picking out some clips and just thinking, God, he's good. 
um, because Jefferson's outstanding. But but yeah, I just um, I just think it was just one of those things. I just uh, you know I sit here now and I still think I just don't know how. I just don't know how we lost really because you know that Dalvin Cook was really held. Eric Kendricks didn't have a massive game. You know even the, even though the you know people like Daniel Hunter and Harrison Smith had the obviously had the forced fumble, but Smith was quiet. Cam Dancers had a big season and was you know was pretty quiet. You know the receivers what Tyreek had what one hundred and seventy one yards receiving. I think Jalen had one hundred and thirty six. Um, so yeah, we were able to move the ball just pretty pretty well I just I, you just got to chalk it down to one of those things I think yeah I completely they were going to win the game uh that pass gets completed to Jalen Waddle, and I'm thinking to myself now they're converting 30 and 18s yeah this thing is ending up in the end zone and the Dolphins are ending up four and two of course he fumbled and that was pretty much the game because you could you could see from then on you know man they get a field goal this might be too much to overcome and it was uh, Chris uh, I guess we could end here uh, your thoughts on this game plan uh, uh, anything to nitpick on or was it right like they really tried to push the ball down the field like that was the game plan yeah um, I think I think there's that but I, I I think it's good to remember also I mean there were there were, mistake, there were mistakes on, from the coaching standpoint and um you know, especially in the, in the realm of protection and protections and, you know, whether there was uh, extra help, um, you know, for, for this player that uh, I know some people that were just absolutely maddened uh, about, um, about the protections in the game. We have to remember that Mike McDaniel is also a first time coach, right. Um, you know, and, He's still learning as well. He's been presented with some challenging, a challenging stretch of season where not only you have other guys coming out of the game as well, like Teron Armstead, that's a big deal. But it's certainly a challenge when, you know, you go into the Cincinnati game already on a short week um, and you lose your starting quarterback and now you're playing with your backup then you go then the following week you lose your starting quarterback on the first play of the game and now you're you're going with the backup who's a seventh round rookie you're in the following week okay well you know we we didn't get this guy practicing in, uh, enough so we're gonna go you know with the guy that we've had practicing and taking the reps all week and then and then he comes out of the game after uh, after a little like these are these are tough circumstances to deal with for any coach he is a rookie coach on top of that. So I think that this is something that, you know, if if he establishes the system overall, you know, as in a general way, and um, you get some of the same players coming back year after year in the system, um, you're going to be a little bit more proofed against against some of these bad circumstances, I think. Uh, or you're going to be able to handle them a little bit better. I, I don't think Miami was in position to handle this, and um, and I think part of it is you're going to have to you're going to have to look at the coaching and say you know this was this is a new staff, this is a new uh, system, and um, this is a new regime, and uh, and it might not be you know this way next year as opposed to this year. So that's it. All right. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some players and specifically. And but before, uh, before that, a word from Liquid Death. This show is brought to you by Liquid Death. You've seen those good-looking cans at the grocery store that look like beer called Liquid Death. It's actually Mountain Spring Water from the Alps, available in still, sparkling, and these flavors: severed lime, mango chainsaw, and my favorite, buried alive. Actually, I'm drinking one of those right now. The fine people at Liquid Death were, were going to send me this product, but I just jumped the gun, bought a 12-pack of Bury It Alive. I wanted to try it. It has three grams of agave ne nectar. Let me tell you, it's delicious. It's no longer a secret. This is the most underrated thirst quencher in the market. Liquid Death murders your thirst, and the infinitely recyclable cans are environmentally friendly. Liquid Death also donates 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Go get Liquid Death at your local Publix, the Fresh Market or Whole Foods Market or find a Liquid Death retailer near you 
with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash three. That's our dedicated website. That's liquiddeath.com slash three, spelled out, T-H-R-E-E. Follow Liquid Death on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. Use the hashtag, hashtag MurderYourThirst, and hashtag DeathToPlastic. Liquid Death. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. And as promised, we're going to talk about some players here. And we'll start here. Simon Caterco, who was inactive for the game with an oblique injury. So in comes Noeg Benogany pressed into action. In my opinion, this is the best Noeg Benogany has looked in a Dolphin uniform. Does this showing make you a little bit more optimistic going forward? Um, I mean, he just needs reps, really. I mean, I think the first play, the, the pass interference is probably the worst he's ever looked. Um, so, but actually, I think he played those two those two balls to Thielen uh, down the field pretty well, and he's. I mean, he's going to have to play. You know, I I, I uh, said it on OnlyFans. I have no information on this, but I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't see Byron Jones at all this season. Quite frankly, um, I don't think he feels any closer to getting back on the field than he was four weeks ago, um, and I think that's coming through the sentiment coming through with with Coach McDaniel at this point. Um, you know, you're getting big performances from Keon Cross and Kade Co, who obviously didn't play yesterday, but uh, Nick Needham was playing very well before the Achilles tear. Justin Bethel has played well in spot, um, in spot performances. So, but they're going to need they're going to need bodies. Um, they're going to need players to step up, and I I don't know who it is. I don't know where that's coming from. You know, I think uh, it would not surprise me if um we added a player um. You know, a, a waiver wire player, um, or a guy, a street free agent, um, veteran. Uh, I talked about Malcolm Butler yesterday because obviously Josh Boyer knows him. I don't know his injury status. I know he was released, mm. um, with an injury designation. But you know, you look at you know, do you really want to put Tino Ellis, kick him up from the practice squad? I mean, is is Tino Ellis what what Miami need on that back end? Um, to me, it's not. Um, but. 
you know, it's it's getting towards situation critical um, on the back end because, you know, we are an Xavier Howard injury away from Keon Crossan and Kader Co starting games at corner and that that's not what you need. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think it's... Um, it's uh, Kalen Barnes, obviously the kid from Baylor being the other one, but again, you know, he's so raw that you, you know, like, yeah, he's for next year. He's a, he's a still, you know, he's a, uh, he's a guy that you just put on the back burner and like he's a project for next year. Like maybe he's Trill Williams two years ago. That's who Kalen Barnes is, I think. Um, Nick Needham going down is a blow, but you think, okay, we could get by with Kohu since we, we found Kater to Kohu out of essentially nowhere. And he's now a contributor and has played well all season. So you could you think okay we could get by on that, but now they need a boundary corner. It's either going to be Noig Benogany, or they're going to have to go in the trademark or the waiver wire. Do you like a uh, what do you? I'm, I'm gonna throw a couple of names at you, and then I'm gonna get Chris in on this. Uh, your thoughts on AJ Bowie, and what about a trade for the the very unhappy William Jackson of the uh, almost at the Commodores? It's the Commanders. <laughs> The Commodores was an R&B band from the 70s. But, yeah, of the Commanders, your thoughts on those two guys? I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, with guys like Boye or Trey Waynes or you know, all these these Malcolm Butlers, and uh, they're, they're, they're not playing for a reason. It kind of feels like, you know, their careers are kind of coming to an end and, um, you know, it's no longer 2016, 2017 for AJ Boye at this point. Um in terms of in terms of making a trade for William Jackson, yeah, yeah, but I mean, what what are you going to have to give up, and then you're going to find yourself in a situation where, you know, Byron Jones's contract is difficult to get out of, um, in terms of the money. So, you know, do you, do you want Howard, William Jackson, and Byron Jones on your roster? Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it, it's just a really difficult one. Um, I don't know. I suspect what they'll do is they'll end up um, picking up a, you know, a street free agent guy rather than trading for for somebody like Jackson. Good player, I like William Jackson. Um, good player, but um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sold that that a trade for him is is what's going to happen. I don't know what you think, Chris, but to me that just uh, I just don't. And, unless they think Byron Jones is out for the year and they can get out from underneath his contract because William Jones William Jackson isn't coming. You know, isn't going to come cheap. So, um, yeah, yeah. Chris, uh, first on Noah Benagini, um, I, I I came away with a little bit more optimism after watching that. But your thoughts on on their situation right now? Um, first of all, do you agree with me that Cater Kohu kind of steps into that Nick Needham role, and you feel okay about it? Now you're you have no depth now, like that's gone. Like, like your your depth has been tested and has been depleted at this point. But what are you doing uh, in the secondary? Are you going out there in the trade market? Is there anybody you like as a street free agent? But first, your thoughts on Noah Igbenogany. I'm not buying it um, as far as Noah Igbenogany is uh, concerned uh, in the game. I thought that he had really an atrocious defensive pass interference. Um, Horrendous, wasn't it? absolutely horrendous uh totally unnecessary i mean it was it was you know how many years has it been with that he's been in the league and and it's still i know i re- i realize pass interference happens so i, I don't want to go on it too too much but there there was that and then he had two good plays he had two good plays um were things but you know things kind of fell his way on on the plays and you know credit to him for for doing what he did but certainly you're going to have to see a lot more of that and you know before you start to be convinced that he didn't just get lucky with two good plays and then also have the trademark bad play um you know so i i don't and and i think he only played something like seven, 17 snaps or something like that out there so um it's it's definitely jury still out there's there's no way i'm i'm going to take that and say, you know, okay, he's, you know, we're starting to be okay there. Um, I think the thing to worry about with Nick Needham is, you know, I know we want to talk about Cater Coho, but um, but Cater Coho is, uh, I mean, he's, unless I'm very mistaken, um, he's a slot player, <laughs> you know, and Nick Needham this year with Byron Jones having been out has been, has not been a slot player. Um, he's not. 
You know, he's been, I think, 200 snaps on the on, on a wide corner and maybe 50 snaps in the slot, something like that. Nick Neat or Cater Coho is the exact opposite. So, um, so it's already, it's not a matter of Cater Coho stepping in because Cater Coho has already been playing. Cater Coho has got already 200 plus snaps this year. So you lose Nick Needham, you lose a lot of snaps, and now you're now you're wondering how you need to replace that. Um, and because it's not Cater Coho, he's already been out there, like I said. Um, so it's that the, yeah, this this is going to be an acquisition. This this has to be an acquisition. This has to be a signing. This has to be a trade. This has to be somebody. Um, they were already stretched thin as it was with the uh, the delay on Byron Jones coming back um onto the field uh i've mentioned this before on a different podcast you know when you start to go with a player and it's week after week after week and it's like well when is he going to come back when is he going to be you know the longer you go there there's a certain there's a certain point in time where the string breaks you know and and you're just like you know what he shut down for the year period we're there with byron jones we're getting very close to that with byron jones in my opinion and um and so you know I've I shared Simon's view that we're probably not going to see him at all this year. And they were stretched because of that, because of that delay. Now that they have Nick Needham out for the rest of the year, it, it's, it's not stretched. It broke. So, uh, so yeah, something, something is going to have to happen. They're going to trade for somebody. They're going to sign somebody. It's going to be somebody significant. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know exactly who it is, um, but uh, it's it's going to be somebody, you know, some names that we, we've heard names tossed around before. Um, but, you know, I like Janoris Jenkins and so, so on and so forth. But um, but it's going to be somebody. Yeah, um, I, I think that. Yeah. And, and I would say on the outside, it's going to have to be another guy on the outside. I completely agree with you. That's where Nick Needham was playing. But yeah, uh, if. If Byron for some reason can get back, and and I'm told that it's a baseline test he has a pass that he cannot and has not passed to be, to even begin practicing, okay, which suggests that he is not back from his Achilles surgery. So it's I think that the 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 drop dead date is week eight, so we're at two weeks away. He doesn't start practicing. I think it's done. I think he's done for the year if he doesn't begin practicing because it's a 21 day window. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to explore it past these next two weeks. It's interesting that they're ruling him out already early this week. He is there at the facility. So he's not, you know, he's, he hasn't disappeared. He's at the facility working. But so, so this is legitimate. This is not him doing some type of, you know, you know, half-assed holdout. Okay. Because, you know, he actually, you know, moved some, deferred some money. You know, this is actually something that's happening. Like he is not ready to return. Uh, but I tend to agree. He doesn't return to practice in the next two weeks. It's done. It's out for the year because that's that's the midseason point. I've never seen it happen before where a guy is held out for that long. Yeah. And then he comes back after week eight with then the 21-day window. Like, who the hell does that? I've never seen it done before where a guy just comes back. Hey, I'm here. I'm ready to play the last four games of the season. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, I don't remember any, that happening ever. But, yeah, I completely agree. They got to get out Ooh. on that market. For we'll say this next year, though, um, you know, he's they they can get rid of him. I mean, that, that contract's not too it's not too bad as far as getting rid of him. They, they would actually they'd be in the green as far as getting rid of him and saving money, um, saving positive you know, dollars. Um, so, you know, yeah, they're I, I think Byron Jones is on his way out, clearly. Um, but uh, yeah, he's that's. It's unfortunate, but that's where we're faced with. Yeah, uh, absolutely. All right, moving on to to other players. Um, I don't think we, we're going to spend too much time on this, but yeah, Jalen Waddle had a rough one, and his fumble probably contributed to to losing the game. But like I said before, I don't mind losing with my best players. He's an absolutely fabulous player, and he's having a monster year. But it's 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 something to be said, and I think we're going to give a little flowers here because I don't think we've done enough of this so far this season. In a season where this guy is, you know, he's putting up some gaudy record-setting numbers, okay? But we have a wide receiver who's on pace for over 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns, and he's being overlooked by the guy that's on pace for 2,000 yards. 
okay? And 140 catches in Tyreek Hill. Uh, Simon, these two guys, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, it's been... Tyreek Hill is, is as good an acquisition as I can remember this team ever having. And Jalen Waddle is, after having a rough one, he is, as advertised, he's as good as you can be. This is the best wide receiver doing the NFL. You got to believe now, no? Um, yeah, I'd imagine it's, you know, it's, I mean, they're outstanding. Um, but it's been interesting there. Targets, depth, uh, yards run, and general numbers are down a little bit over the last couple of weeks, understandably so. Um, but Hill just keeps turning up. But yeah, every time he catches the ball, you just think he's potentially going to break one. And Waddle is such a great compliment. Um, and the fumble aside, he's been phenomenal. You, 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 you get a few drops with Jalen that you don't get with, with Hill. But but he's been so much better than I thought he'd be. Um, I thought he'd be a lot more, you know, take a long more a lot more time to come to the party, as it were. But I think his route running is excellent. They both block. Um, and they've just got blazing speed. You know, every time you get the ball in their hands, they're just yeah, they're looking to take it to the house. Uh, they're both phenomenal players. Yeah, uh, Chris, I did. A, I had a tweet uh, before the season talking about. Uh, the 1984 season where Mark Duper and Mark Clayton both had 1,300 yards receiving. And I asked, uh, is Tyreek Hill and and Jalen Waddle capable of this? Nobody nobody thought that they were capable of it. Well, well it looks like they are. Uh, your thoughts on this duo? This is the best duo in the NFL, do you think? Or is there one better that you could come up with off the top of your head? And, you know, has this been... As great an acquisition as I think it is, I think it's one of the best things they've they've done in ages on this team. Like I could see how this this tandem could be the catalyst to a championship on this team in the next three years. Well, yeah, it's it's certainly a, ta- a championship caliber um, unit because of those two, uh, and it, it's it's not that it doesn't matter who you have as a third. It's it's that you know it's it, because of those two, the job that whoever is playing with them has has uh has to do as the third receiver is is a lot easier but um yeah could are they the best tandem in the, in the league right now um you know various fans of various other teams are gonna are gonna say say that their guys are but i th- i think there's a legitimate reason to believe that they're the best tandem in the, in the league right now it, it does remind me of you know the like i said before the old rams offense um with uh with Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt and I think that uh we get our starting quarterback back on the field I mean what what was kind of interesting to me about the the game is that you know the the timing of Waddle's fumble was couldn't be worse right mm-hmm. um but it came during the portion of the game they were moving the ball in the first quarter and they were moving the ball in the fourth quarter. They were really moving the ball in the fourth quarter. They scored that touchdown. They were well on their way. And then, and then Waddle had that very untimely fumble. Uh, obviously the last drive in the, in the final couple minutes of the game, um, going down the field, 88 yards and getting a touchdown. Uh, I think that, you know, people, people say that's garbage time. Well, yeah, until you, until you recover an onside kick and then it's like, Oh wait, you know, that's, now now it's real um so i think that uh i think that it's interesting that they got going in the fourth quarter um i think it's also interesting that they were already you know hit the ground running in the first quarter with skylar thompson at quarterback i'm just trying to pick pieces of of what they've shown and say well what is this going to look like in in better circumstances and um, and I think that that's that's interesting. They they did start to get going into the fourth quarter. Um, they were just completely blank for two quarter or two two quarters. Uh, the offense was just abysmal. Um, and so you know you could say, well, greatest duo, greatest wide receiver duo, and all that. But for for eight drives in the second and third quarter, they were just, they were just atrocious. The entire offense, it didn't matter who was the, who the duo was at the wide receiver, but it is interesting to me that they did start to pick it up in the fourth quarter. And so that's, that's kind of what I would latch on to and say, you know, okay, well maybe we get some, some, some calmer circumstances, starting quarterback, start and finish a game, which would be something. 
Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see what this duo really can do. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're probably the best duo in the NFL right now. Um, and this should be a very productive offense as it was in the first three weeks of the season with those two, uh, at, at the wide out positions. Yeah. And, um, if you're gonna set, you're gonna sense a theme here because we tried one negative and then one positive, so this obviously is gonna be a negative. I like this roster a lot, Simon, and I liked it in in a lot of different areas. Uh, I think they're gonna have to remake the entire tight end room. Um, I'm I'm not one to start saying that somebody's a bust after a year and a half in house, but I don't. What's the redeeming value of Hunter Long? Uh, he was as bad in this game. He was actually sabotaging this, this offense in, in this game. One time he even blocked uh, Greg Little from, from his kick slide and allowed a sack on it. And Greg Little looked looked at him like, like seriously, dude, like this is what you're doing? You're trying to get our quarterback killed by blocking me? Uh, he was late on a wham block on another time. First of all, you know why are you going to have him do any of this stuff? He might be as bad a blocker as Mike Kosecki is, by the way. And he also doesn't catch the ball, so... That's two strikes against them. Uh, are you as out on Hunter Long as I am? And are you as ready as I am to remake the entire tight end room next season? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not great. And, and none of them really suit the style of, of offense that we want to run because none of them can block. You know, we thought Long could block. And actually, he's not very good at it. He's just not a very good player. Mm. Um, Smythe has had his struggles this year. Gesicki, obviously, you know, he had a good game on Sunday. But you wonder whether or not he might be used. I mean, I think they'd probably like to keep him just for his re- receiving skills, and then you know. But actually, if they can get something for him, given how much they need help at corner, how much they need help on the offensive line, he kind of would take the deal. Tanner Connor, I would never throw to him again. I mean, this is back-to-back games now where he's throwing the ball and he's just flat-out dropped passes that he has to be catching. You know, and no amount of upside is going to get you away from the fact that if you're on the field and, you know, and they throw to you, you have to make a play and he hasn't made a play. Um, so, and I don't, I don't feel like Adam Shaheen is a, is a player, you know, they tried to get rid of him to the Texans and uh, I know they were disappointed that deal fell through, uh, even though it was for a, for a late round pick. So, you know, you look at somebody like Ross Dwelly, who was the backup to George Kittle in San Francisco. He's a free agent. You can see him coming in as a backup, but they need a they need a big time tight end for this system to work. And whether that comes in the draft, you look at someone like Utah's Dalton Kincaid, who had a massive game on Saturday night against USC. You know, who can run the, run the sort of routes that you're looking for. He's got outstanding hands as a converted receiver, can block well enough, but also has shown improvement year on year in terms of his ability to block. Obviously, Michael Mayer at, at Notre Dame. So there's the, the there's the the, the kids at Georgia, two big kids at Georgia, Gilbert and um, the other massive human being whose name escapes me at the moment. But, you know, so there are tight ends in the draft. Obviously, you know, there's a couple of Dalton Schultz at Dallas as a free agent in, um, you know, you look at how much they've started to integrate um, the Ferguson kid from Wisconsin. He had a pretty big game last night and the touchdown catch to, to get the Cowboys right back in it. So Jake Ferguson. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens there, but you know the the offense is predicated on what the tight end can do, and and unfortunately the tight end doesn't work, and I think that's part of the reason why the run game isn't working particularly well at the moment. But you know they've got to fix the offensive line as well. You go back and you know how how, how often have we talked about this, um, an extension of the tight end? But you go back and look at Philadelphia last night, and you know Jordan Jordan Mailata obviously you know it wasn't a high pick, but has developed into one of the best left tackles in the league. You know, you get Landon Dickerson, who we all loved at Alabama, but I thought was amazing at center. He's gone to left guard and has been absolutely superb. Jason Kelsey, obviously. You look at the right tackle, Lane Johnson, the guy we should have drafted when we drafted Dion Jordan, still playing at an elite level. Um, you know, and they've been doing it for a long time. Kelsey Johnson, especially, have been doing it for a long time. Although, um, to be fair, last night when Lane Johnson left the game, oddly enough, with a concussion issue, and Jake Driscoll came in, and he's actually been all right. It was open season on Jalen Hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. You know, but, so I think they got to get healthy. Teron Armstead is a must on this team. And Armstead, obviously, but you know, we've got three, we've got three linemen playing at an all pro, uh, pro bowl level. And the other two are absolutely God awful. Yeah. <laughs> it short circuits yeah. the entire group. You agree, right? I mean, I think Eichenberg has been abysmal. 
Yes. Uh, and I thought, I, to be fair, to be fair to Greg Little, I thought he played well until the hand issue, and we've talked about this and whether yeah. how that's affected. But he's him, he's getting him. progressively worse. Yeah, every he week. is. So Austin Jackson coming back, I would assume that Austin Jackson will be plugged in at right tackle if if um if Armstead can go against the against the Steelers. But you know. In an ideal world, if Little was playing the way he was playing earlier in the season against Baltimore, for example, you'd almost want to plug Austin Jackson in at left guard. But um, yeah, it's not great, and it just feels like it needs. You know, there are pieces there. Obviously, Armstead. The same question as Tua: Can you rely on a guy that only plays a certain amount of games in a year? Connor Williams has been excellent. Rob Hunt's been excellent, but you know, you've got to fix right tackle. You've got to fix left guard. Mm. Uh, Chris, are you as out on Hunter Long as it seems we we two are? And are you remaking the entire tight end room? Like I think we we all we both want to do it. And I guess I guess you could hit all those points and and the offensive line, namely Liam Eikenberg. Like wow, like I'm I'm as ready. Yeah, it might be time. It just might be time. Like look, you're just not getting better, and you're actually sabotaging this team. Like you're costing this team 32 yard plays that go down to the one yard line because you're holding and it's an obvious hold and maybe you could get away with it sometime but you're tackling the guy in front of the the fucking referee dude and then you're getting our quarterback killed you whiff on another one and teddy bridgewater gets slammed to the ground uh you know it's it's every week with him but yeah i guess tackle the, the tight ends first and i don't know like what what can we make of this this mike Kosecki? performance uh, like i like to say okay it's a lot like basketball usage if you're giving targets to gaseki so he could get his six for 69 and his two touchdowns you're taking away targets from tyreek hill and jalen waddle and i don't think you want to do that well so, i don't i don't think that's true i don't i don't want to buy that at all you know i think you don't that, agree no not at all i think that if look at the look at the game and how it proceeded jalen waddle and tyreek hill were not unproductive in the game i mean that's 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 probably uh understating it they, the guys they what did hill have over 170 yards a bottle had like 130 um they are I mean, how much more production do you need to give th- those to those top two receivers i mean what 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 kind of territory of unprecedented territory in the nfl are we looking to get into uh, at some point, that it's like you know we're we're picking on Mike Gesicki's sixty nine yards and saying, oh, you know that should have gone. No, uh, I think that he's been he is he is a functioning member of the offense. I think he's a functioning member of the offense when it's good. Mike Gesicki is. Um, I think that there is there was something to be said for you know a player like Tanner Connor who is I'm I'm not throwing I'm not shoveling dirt on his grave over two drops when he's he's essentially he's essentially a a new to the sport convert who is an undrafted rookie this year converting to tight end for the first time you know he was a wide receiver in college and um and he was uh and he was not necessarily a uh a football guy in college either um not gonna i'm not gonna throw dirt on his grave for two drops uh you know we'll it's a long season and we'll see, we'll see what happens with him. But with respect to Mike Gesicki, he's a functioning member of the offense. I think there's something to be said for maybe we don't have to get a guy that's as expensive as he is in order to do what Mike Gesicki is doing, which is to just be, which is really to, to get a lot of attention in the passing game. He is, he's part of the reason why you're seeing um, so many balls being able to funnel be funneled to those wide receivers. Whereas, you know, defenses are smart. They start to shut, shut guys down. Um, or they can usually take away at least one guy, you know, defense can. Uh, and I think that uh, we're going to, we're going to find out for the rest of the year, whether he can function in this offense, but it's Hunter long, really. That's just at this point, what are you doing? Cause you're not blocking. He's worse than Gasicki as a blocker, which is staggering to say. Um, and, and, He's clearly not catching the ball either, and being valid, uh, a valid, you know, part of the passing game. I I don't know about remaking the room just because Durham Smythe was also a functioning member of the offense when it was good, when it was productive. You know, um, we're talking about stretches of the offense. We're talking about, uh, you know, the the Baltimore game that fourth quarter. We're talking, you know, stretches where we had functioning offense, good points per drive, so on and so forth. 
Darren Smythe and Mike Kosicki were functioning members of that offense. They were doing, they were playing their roles uh, fairly well, and uh, and it was working. So I, I want to give more time for that. I don't want to just like close the book prematurely on all this stuff. Now Mike Kosicki is going to get expensive though, um, and that's that's the ultimate that's the ultimate is- issue. So next year, you know, he comes off his tag. Well, Dalton Schultz comes off his tag too, um, and it's like. Okay, well, maybe, maybe we revisit that, you know, um, for uh, as another tight end. I don't tend to think it's going to be about a rookie. I think that this is a complicated position in this offense, um, particularly with respect to the run game and all the adjustments that they have to make, um, you know, on the fly uh, to get a valid run game going. Uh, I just don't see them. You know, yes, they'll they'll have a project player, a young player that they're they're hoping to mold into something. But um, but the guys that are going to be on the field and 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 actually producing and and being a part of the offense, I think it's going to be a free agent signing with experience in the system. Um, I think that that's what we're gonna what we're gonna see. Tanner Connor, we'll see. You know, we've got eleven more games to go, and uh, and Tanner Connor might get some more some more uh, reps and he might even catch one next time. So I, you know, it's, we're, we're going to see if he can, for example, because he is very fast and he is very, very athletic. He's he's as athletic and as fast as Mike Gesicki. And so he can potentially um, garner some of the same type of attention that Gesicki does. Uh, so we're going to see if, if that's a valid option heading into next year um, to be sort of a, a role player in this offense. Uh, Durham Smythe can clearly block for the, for the offense, but he's also still learning it. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I think, I think it's the offensive line. You go, but you said it. You went back to it. Your best offensive lineman is a guy who can't stay on the field. It's Ron Armstead. Um, your second best offensive lineman is a guy who is playing center for the first time and uh, has some bad snaps and is, I mean, he was kind of called out this week a little bit uh, as far as the, the calls that he's making at the line and how, you know, they're kind of waiting for him to get fully up to speed with this offense because it is very hard. Um, you know, there, there's something about this with Austin Jackson at right tackle and Lord knows we can't trust him as far as we throw up. There's something about the entire unit that still feels wrongheaded to me. Um, and, or and, and the way that it's playing out the way that we're seeing it, it's not taking shape. And so it's going to, you know, I, I hate to, to keep, we say this every year, the offensive line needs to be fixed, but you know, it, it, it ain't fixed yet. And, um, and that's, and that's the biggest issue. That is the biggest issue heading into next year. I don't think it's the tight end position at all. Um, so we'll, we'll see. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, if I had to bet and I don't know if you agree with me or not, and I guess we could close here. I think Durham Smythe makes it out of this group for next year. And I really do think they'll have two new guys alongside Durham Smythe. Do you disagree with me, Chris? And then I'll ask Simon. No, I think I think you're probably right. I wouldn't be surprised if you know, um, you know, like I said, it's a long season. We'll see. We'll see what happens for the rest of the, the way out with Tanner Connor, uh, for example. But because he could be like the fourth guy for all we know next, next yeah. year. I think you're right, though. I think you know we're we're probably looking at a move on from Mike Gesicki. Um, I'm not going to I'm not going to say it's a certainty. Uh, I again, I think a lot of people headed into this year with an absolute certainty that he just was not going to be brought back. And then he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think that, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to close the door because he might, he may very well be brought back next year. Um, so, but yeah, I think you're, you're trending in the right, in the right uh, direction when you say Gesicki probably replaced um, and then some other new name uh, aside from Durham Smythe. All right. Uh, Simon, we, I, I already know you kind of agree, but um, some of our listeners and some of our members on OnlyFans are asking about this guy. He was a hot, he was a hot topic all week. What if I told you? Well, we have the 
the 49ers first round pick. Let's say that they, they're a little bit better because I feel a little bit queasy about taking a tight end in the top 10 unless it's like, you know, a Cal Pitts type, you know, a, a unicorn. But let's say with the 22nd pick in the in the first round, the Miami Dolphins select Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Your thoughts on him and as, as a prospect and as a fit for this offense? Uh, I mean, he's a good player. I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily taking a tight end. Um, at that point, when there's just, you know, way bigger issues, you know, to me, you've got some really good offensive linemen. You know, I watched, um, I watched uh, Alabama, Tennessee, like we all did on Saturday night. And I watched mm. Darnell Wright, who's the right tackle at Tennessee, uh, 58, absolutely locked down. Will Anderson, who's going to be a top three pick. And you look at a guy like that. I mean, we talked about a guy this time last year. I was talking about Abraham Lucas, who's been an absolute, I mean, he's playing at an all pro level. I mean, you look at someone like Brandon Thorne, who's one of the best break, breakers, breaker downers, whatever. Somebody <laughs> who breaks down offensive line play. And he's like, you know, I, I'm astonished at how good this kid is playing at right tackle. Um, so you look at a guy like Darnell Wright and you just think, you know, to me, that's where the Dolphins need to invest. They need to invest in offensive linemen. You know, Toronto Armstead is, you know, we talked about this at the start of the season. It was great to get him. It is great to have him on the team. He's an amazing player, but you cannot rely on him to stay healthy. He injured his toe in week one. He's already missed pretty much two games. He's playing on a bum toe. You know, you could easily expect him to go on injured reserve in you know, for four weeks, you could easily expect him to go on injured reserve and miss the rest of the season, you know, just as likely. So, you know, I think it's a huge issue, and whether that's a Peter Skaronski in Northwestern or or Jalen Duncan at Maryland or whoever, I think the Dolphins need to invest in it in offensive linemen. You've got to fix that position, and they summarily have failed to do so for years and years and years. And until they do it, I just don't think they're going to be a legitimate contender. All right, but you do agree, Michael Mayer's a first round pick. Um, I think he's been a bit hit and miss in run blocking this season. Um, I like him. Uh, I'm. Let me ask you a better question. Let me ask you a better question. Um, because I love this guy coming out. Uh, better prospect right now, Michael Mayer or T.J. Hawkinson? Uh, Hawkinson. Okay. All right. So not the same class then. So he's probably not a first round pick. I think he's a Todd Heap type. Okay. Um, I mean, look, I think he's a really good player. I, I definitely think he's a really good player. Um, I wonder how fast he is. Uh, you look at the Bowers kid at, uh, at Georgia. That's a that's a proper tight end. Do you know what I mean? That's a. I think Miles is a good player. I think he's a good player. I think he's a really solid player. I just think he needs to. I, I've just been a bit disappointed with him this season. I think maybe I just don't think his blocking has been quite as good as. Uh, but he's definitely a first round. He's definitely a first round player. Okay, and on the way out, he's better than Cole Komet. Um, He's different to Cole Komet. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, we'll save this for the offseason, uh, but for whatever reason, he was a hot topic on Saturday. I don't know. He must have had a big game. I didn't see Notre Dame play on Saturday, but everybody was talking about him like, oh, you know, we got to, you know, th- this guy's our first-round pick no matter what. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll bring him up on the podcast, and I did. So you got a primer on Michael Mayer, people. All right. That's it. The next time we'll talk to you, it'll be Dolphins, Steelers, certain coach coming back, by the way. And of course, the use is back at quarterback. Tua Tungvaloa makes his return Sunday night football for the first time in like what feels decades. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.